Never Too Late to Start by Stacy Conrad. Think you're too old to start running or too out of shape? Look to Margaret Haggerty for inspiration. The 90-year-old marathon runner holds the Guinness record for oldest person to complete a marathon on each of the seven continents, which she achieved at the age of 81. Haggerty took up running when she was 64 to try to help her quit smoking. Though she believes that everyone should experience the Great Wall of China Marathon, her personal favorite is the grueling Arctic Marathon. For her to do endurance runs, she would have needed to put off many bad habits. Although admirable and worthy of praise, there is another race that we should seek to compete. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The sermon is entitled, Lessons from Hebrews, The Race. The three points are Esau, kingdom, and Christ. Esau was a man depicted in scripture as a worldly man. In essence, he did not truly respect the things of his spiritual nature, like his birthright. He gave up his birthright for a single meal. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Genesis 25 verse 34. The Hebrew writer uses his example as a warning for Christians. Christians have a need for an obedient faith in God and a need for endurance. We have a need to look to what is heavenly as opposed to what is earthly. Therefore, Esau is an example we should not follow. Now, if you are struggling with your faith and endurance, you need to pull yourself together. It can be hard to live for Christ in this world, so we must be determined to follow Christ. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted, Hebrews 12, verse 3. So if we are in a weak state, we need to be strengthened and quit certain beliefs that hinder our spiritual lives, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Do we have personal responsibility for our own spiritual lives? Absolutely. And when at strength, we need to help others. See to it is a wording in chapter 12, verse 15. It is an interesting word in the Greek language. It is something all of us should do for each other. Not only should we help ourselves, but we should also help others especially those who are leaning toward falling away, those who are weak, need, and weary. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, chapter 12, verse 15. The same word tran translated as see to it is also used concerning elders. 
and it is translated as oversight. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. What are we to help people stop and or avoid? The root of bitterness and Esau. These are the two things that the Hebrew writer brings up. The root of bitterness in the context of the Old Testament deals with idol worship things that God does not sanction. Beware, lest there be among you a man or woman or clan or tribe whose heart has turned away from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Deuteronomy 29:18. In Christ, what God does not permit, we should help Christians avoid. The way of Esau is another negative example. Chapter 12, verses 15 through 16. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. The passage declares Esau as sexually immoral and unholy. But none of the scriptures show that he was physically sexually immoral. He did have three wives, but that was acceptable then. Two wives were Canaanites, and that didn't please his parents at all. But there is no indication that he was an adulterer or otherwise. So what is this passage referencing? There are many passages in Scripture referring to Israel as an adulterous people from a spiritual point of view. The book of Hosea brings this out strongly. So by Esau's known behavior, what did he focus on more? The spiritual or the earthly? The earthly. He cared little about his birthright, which ultimately, knowing and understanding the concept within the patriarchs, the birthright was something that came from God. He was a spiritual adulterer with God. He sold it for a measly meal. By way of analogy, following God through faith is a focus on the spiritual and God-sanctioned. Second point, kingdom. As you study Hebrews, you will notice a great dichotomy, a great contrast couched in phrases like earthly and heavenly. It is a discussion showing the superiority of Christ over the law of Moses, its earthly temple, animal sacrifices, and a priesthood that is based on physical descendancy. The law of Moses was given, but it wasn't designed as a permanent establishment. It was a copy a shadowy copy of what is real, what is permanent and heavenly. Heavenly things are only available through Christ. That which is under Christ is superior in function and form. It is called in Hebrews the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Anybody ever remember those commercials of the past, the shake and bake commercials? 
I still remember those shake and bake commercials uh, that came out. You put your meat in a bag, and of course I didn't cook with them, but that's how I remember the commercials. You put your meat in the bag, add the spices and other ingredients to the bag, you shake it up thoroughly, and after baking, that exquisite meal just pops out for the family. So the Hebrew writer compares the old law given at Mount Sinai and what came through Christ. Listen to the shake and bake, as I call it, about the Mount Sinai. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire in darkness and gloom and tempest in the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken for, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. You can see this description if you look back at Exodus chapter 19 and 20. In this section of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer gives us a summary of the letter. That which was given under the law of Moses is no more. Don't go back to it. If you do, you are like Esau. You are like an idolater. Your faith is in question and in your weakness, you are in danger of falling away. Only the way of Christ is sanctioned. Hebrews chapter 12, 22 through 24. But you have cut once come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and innumerable angels and festal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous, and make perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of a better sacrifice than Abel. So now you notice, what is of an earthly setup was given at Mount Sinai. It was established with physical shaking, noise, tempest, darkness, and fire. Now Christ's kingdom is set up. What was has gone, lacking God's approval. Something new has come. It is not temporary, but permanent and heavenly. Chapter 12, 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yes, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. And in context, that's talking about Mount Sinai and the law to go with it. That is, things that have been made, things that are earthly, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain and that's talking about the kingdom. What is now here is permanent. Christ, his heavenly kingdom, his church. And that leads us to the third point. Without a doubt, Christ is the best example of faith and faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 12, one through two. Although Christ is the best example, he is not the only one. And you can look at Hebrews chapter 11 for that. It is because of Christ that those of old who had faith and faithfulness can receive the reward. And it is Christ through whom we also receive our reward if we endure in faith and faithfulness and not turn from the path he set before us. What are the qualities of a long distance race? 
Here's what Paul said. Do you not know that, a ra that in a race all runners run, but only one uh, receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beat in there, but I discipline my body. Is physical or is spiritual? I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching spiritual to others, I myself should be disqualified. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 through 27. So we shed our extra weight. Spiritually, we shed our fleshly life. We shed what is earthly and temporary. We shed those traditions that don't lead us towards God. We shed what can lead to a lack of faith in Christ. And we keep our eyes on Jesus. Do you see him? He's there. He's right there. Don't turn away. It is in him we should keep our confidence. His blood saves. But we need to keep our focus properly on him and run lawfully. Do you know you can cheat in a race? All right, evidently you can. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, 2 Timothy 2.5. There are rules, there are expectations, but a reward is coming for those who keep their focus on Christ. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James 1, verse 12. And Peter puts it this way, we receive a crown of glory. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In summary, Esau looked at life from an earthly view. Through his example, we should learn to do the opposite. The kingdom, Christ's kingdom is permanent. Mount Sinai, representing the old law, is done and not sanctioned by God anymore. Christ, though, is our prime example of endurance, faithfully following God even in suffering. One who finished the race and one we should emulate.